Today from Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, we've been addressing a whole number of theological questions that you gave me in the spring. We come to the one that was asked the most. It is the title for our sermon today. How can I tell the difference between my thoughts and God's inspiration? I selected this text because Luke shows us in this very story, in this setting, that Jesus himself was challenged by discerning the way that God would have him go. In this passage, Jesus is trying to tell the difference between his desires and what he senses are God's desires for him. Remember, this happens on the last night that Jesus is alive on earth. He has been with the disciples. They've been in the upper room. You remember the story. It's when Jesus institutes the new covenant. He has told his closest friends and disciples that he's ready to give his life, his very body and blood for this new covenant so that all may know this love of God that is coming to the world through him and then they leave the upper room and go to the mount of olives or the garden of gethsemane if you will and there he says to his disciples pray and then he goes on a bit for a time of prayer for himself and we hear him praying trying to discern if he's understood what god wants him to do in verse 42 he says father if you are willing, remove this cup from me. That is, oh God, I think I understand what you want me to do, but if you could take it away, that would be all right with me. If there's another way beside this way of suffering, show that to me now. I think Jesus understands the deadly possibilities that are right before him but he is checking one more time with God to make sure that he is understood correctly. If Jesus struggles with the assurance that he has understood God's direction correctly, then surely we should not be surprised when we struggle to discern God's will for us when we're trying to do our best to live a Christian life. Another thing that I want us to note 
is that if Jesus is struggling right up to the last day of his life, remember this is the last night. He's about to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, and the next day hung on a cross. And this is the night before, and he's still working on, is this the way? And so if Jesus is struggling right up to the very last day and night of his life, then perhaps we should expect that discernment will be a lifelong task for each of us as well. I want us to spend a few moments this morning examining the life of Jesus, paying particular attention to how he discerned God's will for his life and his ministry. I think if we learn that, it will give us a path and give us some tools which we can use to do the same. The first thing we notice when we begin to read through the Gospels about Jesus is that his life and ministry is grounded in Scripture. He quotes the Scriptures throughout the Gospels. If we flip back in Luke in chapter 4, he's telling the story of Jesus and how he initiated his public ministry. He says it this way, chapter 4, verse 16, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he goes on to read a passage from Isaiah. But I want us to notice that he was familiar with the scripture. He knew the practices of the synagogue. When they handed him the scroll, he knew how to look through it and find the passage he was looking for. It's important to be knowledgeable about the scriptures since we say this is the most reliable vehicle we have for God speaking to us. But it's not only in that moment. We can recall so many more moments like the one where... A lawyer came and said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And you remember what Jesus said? Rather than answering, he asked another question. And he said to the lawyer, what do you find in the law? That is the scriptures. He pointed him back to the scripture. Oh, Jesus knew the answer, no doubt. But he wanted the person to go back and think about what he knew about the scripture. Or if we look at the scene right after what we read this morning, where Luke is describing the crucifixion, and the other gospel writers do this as well, and they share with us that Jesus is quoting the Psalms or the Scriptures, even in His agony on the cross. We can conclude that discernment for Jesus begins with knowing Scripture. And if that's where it began for Jesus, then that should be a clue for all of us that that's a really good place to start is we need to know Scripture. The next thing we notice is closely tied to this first one. As we read through the Gospels, we see that Jesus is intimately involved in a community of faith or he knows his tradition. He doesn't just arise in a vacuum. He grows out of a certain community, out of the Jewish faith. He is steeped in the Jewish faith. 
And as we look at that, as Luke says, he goes to the synagogue as was his custom. He prays as was his custom. He had certain practices that grew out of the Hebrew tradition that he practiced, that shaped and formed him into the person that he was. We realize that faith is most often mediated through others that came before us. It is true of Jesus. It is true of us. If we're truly going to know the fullness of God as much as we can know it, we have to understand what other people have experienced and said about their experiences with God that we might incorporate that into our own understanding. Our own United Methodist Book of Discipline, when it's talking about theology and faith and practice and discernment, it says this, the theological task does not start anew in each age or each person. Christianity does not leap from New Testament times to the present as though nothing were to be learned from the great cloud of witnesses in between. For centuries, Christians have sought to interpret the truth of the gospel for their time. This was true for Jesus, is that He fulfilled his mission as a person coming out of a community of faith, out of the Hebrew tradition. He was shaped and formed so that he might be this one who reveals to us the clearest picture of God and what God is doing. But the community of faith plays a large role in his life and faith. It should be a clue for us that being a part of a community relying on brothers and sisters in christ strengthens our faith christianity is not a solo journey it is something we do together as the body of christ sometimes jesus agrees with the tradition and sometimes he challenges it but tradition and community are important in his discernment he gives us that path that relying on others is an important way to help us understand what god is doing in our lives the third thing i think we see here that's so important in his discernment is that he had his own experiences with God that establish a relationship of love. You can hear it as he refers to Father all through his life, that he has this personal, intimate relationship with God. You can hear it even in this prayer that we use today in our gospel reading when he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He is counting on a God who loves him to lead him. He is willing to yield his life to God's love and direction. And that's important for us to think about as well. Do we have that kind of relationship with God? Have we developed that? It's important to note that this relationship is established before this time of stress or crisis. Oh, it's all right to go to God in a time of crisis, but I tell you it's a lot more difficult to understand how God's at work in your life 
if you don't spend time doing that day to day. If you only look to God in a time of crisis, it can be a difficult thing to understand. When we look back at the life of Jesus from the time he's baptized to the time he's in the temple, we can see that he's familiar in terms of spiritual practices that connect us to God. When he's baptized, Luke says he's praying and he hears this voice that says he's beloved. When he goes to the synagogue to read, he starts with the passage that says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He senses God's presence with him. His discernment comes out of a relationship with God of prayer and love. He knows for sure that God loves him. Do you have that assurance? Do you trust that God loves you? That God has created you? God has given you talents and God is working day to day to bless you? It's out of that kind of foundation that Jesus can trust God's leading even into a time of suffering. It's the same for you and me. We need to have a foundation where we know for sure that God loves us and wants the very best for us. And therefore, we can trust where God leads no matter what. If you read through the gospel, you'll see that not only at the baptism does Jesus experience God there, but Luke says even when he's going into the wilderness for what we usually call the time of temptation, that the Spirit of God is leading him. When he reads to start his public ministry, he knows that the Spirit of the Lord is leading him. As you listen to this, if you're steeped in Methodism, you probably recognize by now what we United Methodists call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. We say that the sources and criteria for our beliefs grow out of Scripture, tradition, experience, and we use our reason to put all of that together to discern our theology and our practice of living a Christian life. So I think the clearest answer to our question about how to tell the difference between our thoughts and God's inspiration is to be rooted in an ongoing, loving, prayer, conversation as we seek to do the things Jesus did to discern His way. He gives us a model and a path and an example of how to discern God's will in our own lives. There was a man struggling with this very thing, trying to figure out how God wanted him to live his life. He wrote an email to his pastor talking about what was happening to him. He wrote about how he struggled with trying to figure out what to do, and he was always tentative in his decisions because he was afraid that he would disappoint God. But he said recently... He had admitted to God that he had questions and doubts and was unsure of which way to go. And he said in admitting that, he felt a sense of relief. And he felt God's presence drawing ever closer to him. 
And that experience enabled him to begin to share with others some questions and doubts he had. And he realized others had some of the same kind of misgivings that he did. And they were able to talk and pray about that together. And he said part of his fear throughout his life had been that if he admitted such questions and doubts that somehow he would fall completely away from God. But he said just the opposite had happened that he was experiencing more and more of the love of God. And so he came to the place where he realized whatever direction he goes, he attempts to share that love with others. And he's realized if that's the path he's on, then God will be working with him in all of that. And he realized in that experience, that he can rely on God and he can trust God. And the more that he opens up to God, the deeper his relationship with God will be. May it be true for all of us. Amen. And thanks be to God.